Mark, the fourth chapter, is the parable of the sower. It's quite famous. It, it, we, we preach on it a lot, and for good reason. Let's start here at verse 3. It says, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty some sixty, and some a hundred. Now we've read here three different soils, and Jesus is using an image of a person sowing. On the, starting at verse 13, Jesus, for his disciples, explains the parable. And we're not going to spend hardly any time on those three different soils. Those are, are fun things to do. They're great lessons in the Bible. I want to step back and just look at a very general and overarching principle about this parable. And the key to that is contained in the next verse, verse 9. And he, Jesus, he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. What do you think of when you hear those words by Jesus? He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. See, we, we read this, the Bible, sometimes just a little too fast. We read that and we think he's talking about people with ears and we just go on to the next verse. You think everybody sitting there listening to Jesus had these little flaps on the side of their head. I'm assuming every single one of them did and they were probably all in good working order. Remember one time Peter cut an ear off of the high, servant, high priest's servant and Jesus healed him. Made him whole, just like that. So, By example, we kind of know Jesus didn't put up with the deaf not being able to hear, the blind not being able to see. It's just a pretty darn good chance. Everybody here can hear just fine. Why is he talking about their ears? What's he mean? He that hath ears to hear. You see, what he's getting at is it's possible. In fact, it's likely that if you have more than two people in a room, one of them's going to hear something, the other one doesn't. You know, we all enjoy the movies, the TV shows that are whodunits where Columbos and police officers interview witnesses. And they all give at least some differing account. They saw something different. They heard something different. Jesus is clearly pointing out here that when he's teaching the people, he's saying that some of them out there they're not hearing what he's saying. Everybody okay with that? He's making a distinction. Some people have ears that actually hear the meaning. They understand exactly what Jesus is trying to convey from his mind into theirs. But there's other people. There are others that these things are actually an impediment. They're a roadblock. They stop information and understanding from getting inside of the mind. And as it says in the parable in their understanding, into their heart, where it can grow to fruition, he's pointing out 
not everybody has ears to hear. What we mean by that is understanding. That's the general word, the description of what he's talking about here. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Now look at the next verse. Gets really interesting. When he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked him of the parable. So who's all now present for the conversation? His disciples, and it sounds like a few others. It's an expanded group of the disciples, but they're clearly close followers. They ask him about the parable, and look at Jesus' response. He said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. I, I read stuff like that. I'm, I'm kind of curious, a little inquisitive. That My red flag goes up right there, and I put a tent stake down. Let's camp on this. He's talking about there is some kind of mystery in the kingdom of God that, well, what does mystery even mean? It means it's kind of hard to understand it. For sure, it implies not everybody gets it. Everybody okay with that? There's a mystery. And what's he saying about this mystery? Who understands it? He says, unto you guys, the ones currently right here, because the crowd had left. And he says, unto you, it is given to know. That word even know implies understanding, doesn't it? Different than just hearing it. Knowing it means you heard it, you understood the meaning of it, it goes down and you could probably apply it or even transfer it to somebody else. You know it. And Jesus said, whatever this mystery is, given to you guys. But look, he didn't stop there. The next word is a but. What's that indicate? He's now going in a different direction, meaning you guys can understand this. It's given to you, but... And now he's going to describe another group of people. But unto them that are without. Does that mean without shoes, without hats, without socks? What's that? Without means on the outside. He's saying that those guys that aren't here, those ones that were here presently before an hour ago when I was speaking to everybody in the parable, unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. Now, when you talk to people in church and you say the word parable, a lot of people think, all right, there are some special meanings. This parable has some kind of hidden stuff, but real special meaning stuff, and you, and you really pay attention. And there, there's some truth in that. But what it really is, and we'll see here in the next verse, the parable means that it's told in such a way that some people get it, and by design, some people don't. It's like watching the movie National Treasure. There's clues. There are some things that people understand when they see it. They know the meaning behind the symbols. Jesus said unto you guys in the inner circle here, it's given for you to know the mystery of the kingdom. I, I get goosebumps when I read that because I'd like to think of myself as a disciple. That means I'm in for something that Jesus is letting some, some selected few in on that clearly it's not for everybody. Because remember, he just finished saying, those of you that have ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, those who can, you understand what I'm saying? Listen up. Look at the next verse. He's now going to say why he speaks in parables. That seeing they may see, but not what? Perceive. 
and hearing, they may hear it and not understand. That's the key word. There were people in Jesus' presence teaching when he was giving parables. A bunch of them didn't do what? They didn't understand what he was talking about. And here is the craziest part about this. Lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. I'm going to tell you right now, I would say the majority of Christians don't accept what's clearly spoken right there in verse 12. Jesus is going out of his way to say, I am speaking in parables so that that group can't, by design, I don't want them to understand. That's what he just said. And a lot of us, we think, that's not the Jesus I worship. I mean, he's cuddly. He likes everybody. He is. He is the walking definition of love in the flesh. However, this group of people in the previous chapter had done something that in Matthew, when it records this, it uses the phrase, the unpardonable sin. Jesus introduced that idea that it's possible. It's possible to commit a sin that puts you in mortal danger. What is that sin? In the previous chapter, Jesus was healing people. And the Pharisees, or he was casting out devils. He was casting out devils, and the Pharisees said about that, he's casting out devils how? By Beelzebub, by the prince of devils. In other words, they call Jesus the devil. Now, here, let's think of the spectrum of where you could fall on this in your perception. You've got the Son of God there, and he is casting out his sworn enemy, the devil. These group of people, they saw it, they watched it, and on the spectrum, he could be God, the Son of God. He could be just an ordinary man. He could be a lunatic. He, let's keep going down. The, he, he could be, uh, who knows what, a homeless guy. He could be whatever. Go way down there, and he's the devil. That's how far off they were. Jesus was as far as you can get on that side of the spectrum. He was the Son of God. And they missed it so bad that they concluded he's, he's the devil himself. And what Jesus said about that is, you better watch out, boys. That's the unpardonable sin territory. In Matthew, he said, all manner of sin will be forgiven, but not he that sins against the Holy Ghost. See, it's by the Holy Spirit. It's the work of God. And so here, Jesus says that those people, because they said that about him, from that time on in the Gospels, how did Jesus talk to them? In parables. And he says right here why he talks to them in parables. We always think, well, he's just expounding a truth that can't be told plainly. No, that's not true. He can speak plainly. He's speaking plainly to these disciples in private. He's choosing to speak to those people in a different way that he specifically points out so that if they see it, they won't perceive. When they hear it, they won't understand it unless they would come to forgiveness. He specifically hid the kingdom from that small, small group of people that called him the devil. Now, there's a lot of us, a lot of us in American churches that they don't want, we don't want to hear that. Jesus would do, Jesus, that's, that's our God. 
But to that group of people, yes. Now, we're going to bring this forward into our time and draw some comparisons in our day. Because there is, a, there is something going on in this parable. Number one, Jesus called it a, the mystery to the kingdom of heaven. Look at what he says in verse 13. He said unto them, no, ye, don't you know this parable? Because they asked about it. They said, tell us the meaning. And he says, you don't know this parable? How then will you know all parables? He's now expanding the mystery to include that, fellas, if you understand this, you get them all. I mean, I got goosebumps now when I'm reading this. Get out of my way and let me go out. Let's read this. The sower sows the word. That picture that he's talking about, it's not seed. He's not planting cucumbers like I do, green beans, squash. What's he planting? Specifically, the words of God, the Bible. And that's, this is one more example that God's word is so high on his list. This man, and remember what Jesus said about this, this is the mystery in the kingdom of God. If you understand this, he said, you can understand, you can understand them all. I mean, all of us who've been in church your whole life, and you think, God, I've had Bible study, and maybe some catechism somewhere along the line, and mom and dad gave me stuff at home, and I read some books. How much do I really know, you think? Jesus is talking about understanding it all. The parable of the sower. Now, those three soils that he's talking about, we're going to just set that aside. We're not looking. I don't want to throw any confusion at you. I want to stick on this idea of this overall arching general principle of what he's talking about here. If you have ears to hear, let him hear. He's talking about people that can't understand what he's saying, and he's also talking about people that they don't understand. Look down with me to verse 24. And if you look at verse 23... He repeated that thing again where he said, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Every time you read that from Jesus, you need to think of the word understanding. Hear it, perceive it, and understand it. The parable was, if you do understand it, it gets down into good soil, it grows, can't pluck it out. It brings forth fruit. We're setting that aside. Look at verse 24. He said unto them, Take heed what you hear. Now remember in the previous 20 minutes that we've been talking, we have defined hearing with the meaning of understanding. Everybody can hear. If they couldn't hear the vibration going through the air into the eardrum that transports it to the brain, Jesus would heal them. They could hear it. He's talking about understanding. And Jesus says, Be careful. Take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear or understand, what's going to happen? More shall be given. Now, Jesus called this the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. He's pointing something out here. At entry level. And I think of Nicodemus when I read this. Keep a finger right here, and let's go to John chapter 3. The Gospel of John, chapter 3. Nicodemus 
It says in the first verse, John chapter 3, verse 1, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Keep that in mind. This guy is high up. He's important. He's learned. He's been taught. You don't get to this position without a lot of experience, without being able to grease the wheels. He has contacts. He's a ruler in the Pharisees. Verse 2, The same came by to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Sounds like he's on the right track, doesn't it? Verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There's some similar language there to what we just read in Mark 4 about seeing and perceiving. Jesus said, if you're not born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. Now, we've got to have some definitions here. What does Jesus mean by to be born again? He goes on to talk about it. He's talking about entry-level Christianity. But let me just ask you, if I told you that neighbor down the street, he's born again, what do you think of when we use that language? Do you think that means he was born and raised in church? That's not what I think. What does it mean if I would, if we use the language, that person's born again? What comes to my mind is he has accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. He's recognized, as the Bible teaches, I'm born a sinner. I need to be cleansed. And I accept the sacrifice that Jesus performed on the cross to apply to my sins. The Bible clearly teaches, if you do that, confessing with your mouth, what happens? That thing on the inside, it becomes Superman. It gets born again. You're a new creature on the inside. Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Is Nicodemus very close to understanding Nowhere near it. He's thinking, he's picturing in his mind how babies first come into this earth. And he's in his 30s, 40s, 50s, who knows. And he's picturing, he just told me I have to be born again. He doesn't understand even the basics of the kingdom of God. And look what Jesus says to him. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, And of spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. He then talks about how the wind blows, and you really can't see the wind, but you can see the effect of it. Look at verse 9. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? He's not getting it. He's not understanding what Jesus is telling him. And you can see how Jesus keeps changing the language a little bit, going at a different angle. And look what Jesus says here in verse 10. He answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel? So Jesus is giving testimony. This guy is high up on their totem pole. And knowest not these things. He's saying, by the present standards, you're a genius. And you don't know anything. Next verse, 
Verse 11, Verily I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Now right there is a principle. You know that Jesus doesn't just start out by telling people heavenly things. That's what we did back there in the parable of the sower. What did he start with? The earthly idea of a guy spreading seed, something everybody there could understand because it's an earthly concept. If you're Adolf Hitler, you still understand that image. Now, if you're not born again, very likely then you don't understand that what Jesus is talking about, how the sower is sowing the word. And that word gets inside of you and it grows and it blossoms. But Jesus is telling Nicodemus, listen, I'm telling you about the wind, about being born again. He's using language about birth, about life. And he said, you don't even understand this stuff. How can, you, how can I explain to you heavenly things? You see, what Jesus is pointing out here, go back to Mark chapter 4. What Jesus is pointing out with that good old Nicodemus is there is an entry-level door that you have to go through to get to the deeper stuff. We, we, we could not bring a, a Rhodes Scholar in here if they were not saved. If we brought one of those people in here and sat them down in the front row and taught them Bible things, principles, it would go right over their head, right past their ears, if they weren't saved. That's what Jesus is saying. Nicodemus, without being born again, you don't get what comes after that. Again, what do we mean by being born again? You've got to be able to recognize that Jesus is the Son of God. That He died for your sins. He bore your sins so that you could be cleansed. If you can't see that basic level truth, God doesn't heap anything else on top. And that's what we're getting at Mark chapter 4. Look at verse 25. Remember what we just read at the end of verse 24. He said, however you mete it out, it will be measured to you and unto you that hear, or you that understand, more will be given. Verse 25, for he that hath, he that hath what? Understanding. Remember that's what this whole parable is talking about? Whoever has understanding, what will happen to that person? That's right, to him or her, more is going to be given. Jesus called this one of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. You've got to get, this is, this is how you get high in ranking with God. You don't skip steps. You don't think, well, you know, I, I haven't, I'm just getting saved and I'm 58. I'm going to just jump to the head of the line where all the other 58-year-olds are. God doesn't do it that way. You have to learn certain things, here a little, there a little. God builds precept upon precept. Look what he said. Now now it gets interesting. Verse 25. And he that hath not. This gets a little hard to hear. This is tough. What happens to him that does not understand? Even that which he has shall be taken from him. You know what that's telling us? that there is no standing still with God. You are either 
you accept his basic truth and he's adding a little and he's adding and he's adding or you're going backward. Because what he's saying is if you don't understand even the thing that you currently think you have, God will pull that out from under you. That's a, that's a, we don't associate our God with this kind of action, and we should. Jesus called it the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. And to give us another witness, another testimony to this, go to Matthew 25. We're going to the parable of the talents, and that should immediately... Matthew 25, verse 14, the parable of the talents should immediately invoke an image for you. What's the parable of the talents about? We don't have much time to get the specifics of this. Jesus says in the first verse, verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven, he's getting ready to describe the kingdom of heaven. And it says, as if a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Now clearly, you study this out, who is the master that's leaving and going into a far country? It's the Lord. This is Matthew 25. There's only 28 chapters in Matthew. He's getting ready to do what? To leave. He's the master. He's speaking about, I'm leaving here, but I'm not leaving you empty. He's going to give them what he has in the parable called talents. Now, we've got to skip ahead through some of this. He gives one of them five talents in the parable, one, three, one, two, and another one, one. And then he says that after a long time, it's been about 2,000 years, hadn't it? He left and went away. It says after a long time, what's he going to do? Uh, he be coming back. Jesus is coming back. And this parable describes that when he comes back, he is going to reckon with his servants what you've been doing. What have you done with what I gave you? Look at verse, Lord said unto him, verse 19, After a long time the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them Five talents more. And his Lord said unto him, You greedy, evil capitalist. People, honest to God, that's how a lot of people, that's what they expect to read in the next verse. You know what he says? Well done, buddy. You are a good and faithful servant. Who did he say that to? The guy who increased, who used what the Lord gave him. I'm telling you, that, that speaks to me. Whew. We, we cannot just sit around and think, well, you know, I'm kind of good at something, but well, I'll just wait until somebody comes and asks me to use my talent. Maybe we should be kicking some doors down. Maybe we need to get out there and beat the bushes. Find what we're good at, what God has given us, and do it. Because as we see here, look at verse 22. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord... You deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. And the Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. What's that sound like? You've been faithful over a few. I'm going to heap up on top of that, make you ruler over many. Does that sound like what we just read in Mark 4? 
that if you meet it out in abundance, God will meet it back out to you. You see the principle of the kingdom of God? However you meet it out, however big a spoon measuring cup you use, God's going to measure that back to you. And here specifically, he's talking about using abilities, talents, and money. Now look at this, verse 24. Then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathered where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid. You're going to get a lesson in how Jesus deals with fearful people. He comforts those. But when you know better, because what the guy just say, I know that you're a hard guy. That you reap where you haven't sown. And so he said, I was afraid. Verse 25, And went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. On judgment day, we should not plan on giving God back to him what he's given us. Unless you got more to go with it. That, that, that's, I, I can't read that without thinking of that. You can't just tell him, oh, you gave me the ability to sing and here it is. I'll give it back to you. He's going to want something more. And he says, verse 26, His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. That's hard to read. When the Lord God calls somebody wicked, where are they going? That's right. And in this parable, how did this guy, his relationship with the Lord was what at the beginning? He was a servant. He acted in total fear. He made nothing with his life. And the master calls him wicked, slothful. You knew that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. You ought... Therefore, to have put my money to the exchangers, give it to Steve, and then at my coming, I should have my, my own with usury. God's not against banking right there. Look at verse 28. Take, therefore, the talent from him and give it unto who? The guy with ten talents. I want to show all the American socialists that are in churches that verse are right there. Sorry. Our God is not a socialist. He never has been. There's nothing in him. For the person that would not, who refused to produce, we're not talking about somebody who broke their leg in the job and can't get to work. We're not talking about that. We're talking about someone with a mindset of, I'm not going to produce. I'm taking what you've given me and I'm hiding it. It's not can't be used. And at later, 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 much later, we're just going to hand it back to you. Guy's wicked. And God takes from him and he rewards the guy that had ten. Do you see the Lord's mentality? Who's he always drawn toward? The producer. He is. He is drawn toward the guy that uses whatever he gives him. Now, what is God? Right about now, some things should be banging into your head. What, what has God given me? What has God given me? That this 
question screams out of this parable. Remember what we read in Mark chapter 4. From him who hath not. That means that that person didn't understand what was being said. Jesus said, even that which he hath will be taken from him. And that's the same principle we're reading here in the talents. The guy that was scared, that hid his talent, didn't do anything with it. What happened to that person? He thought he had something, didn't he? He went to the Lord, to the master at reckoning time and said, I knew you were tough and I wanted to make sure I at least had something to give you. Here's yours. This is what you gave me. And the response was really harsh. It goes right along with that verse in Mark 4 that even the guy, when you don't when you don't multiply, when you don't understand and where God just keeps giving you more and more, you don't stay still. What this is showing is God will pull out from under you even the things that you think you have. Now, I want to apply this to our culture in a very broad sense because our country is seen in these two parables. Jesus specifically talked about the sower was sowing what? Sowing the word. You've got to apply it directly to the word. Our country, our culture, used to believe the Bible. The farther we get away from believing God's word, do you know what God does to that culture? He takes back even the things they think they have. If, we, if you were in prison and somebody ran in and just gave you a Bible, and hey, here, enjoy but then some guard found out 10 minutes later and came and just snatched it away. Say you started at the beginning. and You were at the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you got that much truth, that's one of the most basic truths to our planet. Who made all this? God created the heavens and the earth. And when did he do it? In the beginning. You know what our culture teaches our children? all an accident. There was an explosion and some atoms bounced into each other and out came human life with a brain, eyeballs, ears, heart beating, fingernails. And then of course another one of the opposite sex would have to be created at the exact same time because if they can't procreate, guess what happens in 80 years? You have to start over. You know how insane that is? It's laughable. As a nation, we teach that to our children in so many forms. And because we don't accept the most basic level of God's truth, what's been happening to our culture? Even what you think you have, as Jesus said, you'll get pulled out from under you. What's the next verse in the Bible? That his spirit hovered over the face of the deep. The Holy Spirit we have got most Christians, there's over 50% of Christians in America that don't think the Holy Spirit is a real person. They think it's just a way to talk about goodness. That's the second verse in the Bible. The Spirit did that. People think, well, Satan's not, not real. It's just a way to personify evil. Got a question. Who talked to Jesus out in the wilderness? The Bible says he himself Talk to Satan. Jesus believes Satan's real. And because we believe the dumbest things, you know what's been happening? We're losing 
all kinds of basic truth. Because you get to Genesis chapter 2, and it says, He created them, male and female created He them. We can't even tell boys from girls. And that's not by accident. It's because we haven't accepted the previous chapter. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If there's part of God's word, that sower sowing, if there's part that you reject, that you refuse to understand, that you don't even want it, the Bible tells us at the end of that parable, even what you think you got, you'll lose it. See, we think, well, we sit here in the church, and if the public school starts teaching kids a little something wrong, well, that's fine. Just leave them alone. Maybe they'll leave me alone. You can't think that way. Because our culture that you live in, it will go down the tubes. If we don't stand and fight for the truth, God has nothing to add to it. He will not add anything to falsehoods. It's the words of Jesus. Be careful how you hear. Be careful what you understand. He's talking about a person's way of thinking. That's what Jesus was getting after Nicodemus about. He said, what's wrong with your reasoning? You don't understand that I'm teaching you about a spiritual birth. And you're thinking about going back to your mother's womb. He couldn't understand it. Jesus had a lot to say about how people think. That's what that whole parable of the sower is about. He that hath ears to hear, let that person hear. In other words, come on and I'll teach you some more. See, when you accept the basic truth of the Bible, God will lead you into the next and the next and the next. And it is voracious. It just starts to grow inside of you and you just start gobbling it up. But if you reject it, if you think, well, Jonah didn't really get swallowed by a fish, did he? I mean, come on, that's goofy. I'm not telling my neighbors that I think Jonah got swallowed by a whale. Jesus thought that. And Jesus thought Noah got on a boat. And Jesus thought that God rained down fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. Jesus thought that Moses, out there in the wilderness... That bread came down from heaven, manna. He said all of these things. He affirmed all this stuff that's kind of hard to believe. But you know what? He said it. And because of that, I'll accept anything that he says. That's the, the orientation you've got to be. As long as I know he said it, I'm on it. I'm on it, and you know what God does to that? He just keeps adding. That's the person he works with. But our culture, if we're not over the precipice, we're getting darn close to where what Jesus said, even the things you think you have, I'll, I'll take back from you. If anybody in here would tell me that, say, five years ago you thought we would have a national discussion on the distinction between boys and girls. Honestly, I, I, I don't believe you. I don't, I don't know of anybody that thought we don't really know. When, all, when you guys were my age, when you were in high school, these topics didn't exist. So how do they exist today? It started with Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God made, he created the heavens and the earth. 
That's the basic foundation. And from that point, you get to a man dying on a hill in Calvary, shedding his blood for our sin. You can't accept that. It's very difficult to get to there if you can't get to the first part. This is why we we have to thank God for our pastor. I don't know anybody who fights more for the inerrancy of the Word of God than Pastor Darrell. Thank God for that. I would not I would I would keep my family at home and I wouldn't go to church before I would go listen to somebody that well we we're not sure about some of these stories. These things are kind of crazy. You cannot have that first building block crumble. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the things that you have for us. In the Word. We pray that each one of us would always be sensitive to your Word, to the Bible, that you would make it alive to us. Father, we, in addition, pray for Pastor and Tiff, that you would guard and protect them, that you would keep them all dilig- with all diligence. We pray, Lord, that they would live under an open heaven of health, of peace, and joy. We pray, Lord, that you would bring them here to us safely in health and in health. And we pray, Lord, over every person that attends pastors' churches, that they would be blessed in everything that they do. In Jesus' name, amen.